and welcome back to A Conversation With. This week, we're going to actually throw it back to an interview I did a few months ago with Toronto-based artist extraordinaire Paul Glenn Williams, better known as Some Artist. Now, if you've been to The Six, you've definitely seen some of his work around the city. I know I fell in love with his work, so I tracked him down, and he graciously agreed to be a part of this series, and I'm so glad we sat down while he was on set and talked about his journey as an artist and his talent. Enjoy this interview, and don't forget to follow and subscribe. Hi. I'm actually on a job site right now. So. I see that you're at the morning after. So I used to live across, like in a building over from oh, the cool. morning after. Yeah. 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 Oh, like in City Place. Yeah. Ah, uh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So this is super impromptu, kind of like, but I didn't want to. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It looks really good. Okay, well, nice. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Seems like everybody likes it, so. I love it. When I saw it, I was like, yes. Okay, Getting there. It's almost done. Yeah. Always almost done. I keep adding, <laughs> I, I keep adding too many things. That's well, that's the thing about being an artist or creative, right? You just keep going and going and going. Yeah. I'm missing Toronto now. <laughs> I know, right? Um, building my studio right now, so spent some time in there, getting everything ready. And it's uh, it's like 2,000 square feet. It's going to be uh, uh, an art studio, a fabrication shop, a mini gallery, and um, like just a working space pretty much where I can just Absolutely. make whatever I want. Yeah, it's fun. Oh it's gonna be a good spot. I'm trying to make something I've never seen before. So but I've been thinking wow. about it. This sounds really exciting. Yeah, it's gonna be it's it's gonna help me change a little a few of these paradigms that we where when do you think like are you gonna have it open like are you gonna do like shows and stuff like so one of my main goals is not to ever exhibit my work in galleries. Okay. Um, I don't want to do that. Uh, they take a large, a very large portion of you know our our work, and uh, they sell. They at the end of the day, they buy and sell artists like commodities, right? Yeah. So they, um, you know, they 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 limit you from what markets you can sell in, what markets you can't. Like I know a lot of artists that um, sell their work in, you know, Miami, L.A., New York, and uh, so a lot of their work is geared towards those markets and they're priced yeah. towards those markets and when you get into a gallery um usually they'll make you sign a contract obviously that like you can't sell your work any lower than mm. because i mean it's it makes sense they don't want to get priced out of, of the artwork that they're selling or you can yeah. buy it cheaper or anything like that yeah. so um in the u.s obviously if those ga galleries are taking you out taking you on sorry then um uh you know, they, they usually have a very high high cap for you. You know what I mean? If if your if your paintings are going for ten or fifteen or twenty thousand mm -hmm. dollars, right? As like a notable artist, you get into big galleries. Yeah. And then what happens when you're selling your work for that much in the U.S.? It's very very difficult to sell your work in Canada for the same price, mm -hmm. right? So I mean, there's not a lot of buyers that are buying here specifically. Right. And then on top of that, for that amount of money, you're talking about twenty thousand dollars. Like a friend of mine has paintings in New York Gallery for fifteen thousand dollars minimum. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that would translate to 20, 22,000 here. Yeah. Right. And it's like, people are not going to collect you if they don't see the international value right. in you here. Mm -hmm. And if they do, then they're going to buy you from there. They're going to buy you in different parts. You know what I mean? And like, um, it's, it's just, 
the artists here, I really feel devalued themselves, yeah. at, at least yeah. in Toronto and uh, in Canada in general. And they all kind of atone to push their work into the U.S., which sucks. So, um, but galleries fundamentally provide a few different services for artists. They give accreditation, yeah. right? So basically they, they make you a legitimized artist or whatever. And uh, depending on the galleries you're in, um, you know, they take more and more. You look at like Gregorian, which is like one of the biggest galleries in the world, mm -hmm. right? They sell hundreds of millions of dollars worth of art every year, not billions. And um, they, like you get in some place like that, they're taking 60 to 70% of your, of your, of your price, right? Don't, don't get me wrong, they're probably selling your work for a ridiculous amount of money, yeah. but um, at the end of the day, they're taking a large chunk just because of the fact of their name and uh, their Rolodex. Yeah. You know I mean? A lot of the times when you have a multimillionaire or somebody collects art, they have an art buyer, Yeah. right? And that art buyer has networks with all of the uh, gallerists, right? So when new stuff comes in or or artists that specific client is looking for comes in, you know, there's a there's a liaison kind of meeting between these two and, and like um, they're able to, oh, this is new and this is fresh and this is the style they're looking for. I mean, it's, it's business, I get it. Mm -hmm. um, but as an artist, it's uh, it's an unfortunate way to do, to deal with business because now you're at the mercy of these people buying and selling you like commodities, right? So for whatever reason, you have a falling out with a gallery or, um, a gallerist or something like that, right? Or somebody else is taking over, they're going to push your work aside, right? And definitely not, uh, it's, it's, it's not a, like, um, uh, it's not a fable that, that artists have been blacklisted from selling in the market, right? So it's like, you know, they can flood the market with you. Where it's, it's, it's just like buying stocks, right? There's a million reasons why your stock can go up and down. So understanding that, um, there's a lot of artists. So gallery will provide mainly two things. They'll provide you an avenue to sell, well, three things. An avenue to sell your work, mm -hmm. right? They provide you with, uh, and the client with uh, letters of authenticity to prove that it's legitimate, uh, legitimate, legitimized and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then they also provide provenance. And provenance is like the history of that artwork. You know, what, what, who bought it? What price did it go for? At what period of time did um, this person sell it, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, that those are very simple things to maintain in-house mm -hmm. if you learn that those are the important things that will value your work over time, right? Because right? like, that's, that's the goal of any artist is not just to make stuff, but to have it valuable to their clients over time, right? You want it to increase value. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, that, that, that's when people are going to buy your work, not just for the meaning of it or the fact that they like you or the fact that they see your vision, but maybe as an investable product, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So there's many, many different avenues of it. And, uh, most artists just want to paint or they yeah. just want to sculpt or they just want to do whatever. And they leave the business side up to everybody else and they end up paying for a lot of it. Right. So, um, with the creation of my studio, um, I want to have a small mini gallery Mm -hmm. So when I do a show, I basically rent out a space. I do my own event, right? And then I put it on completely by myself. And then I have like, let's say through the year before a full show, I might have like a spot release where I have like five or six paintings done or something like that. And then I can do it right in my gallery. I can have like 50, 60 people. I mean, there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then make it private. I can make it, you know, like um, uh, I can find where the serious buyers are and yeah. the people that are looking to collect things. And, um, you know, I can give them a show. Mm -hmm. Right, that's personal. Yeah. That's, that's you know a little bit a little bit uh, different than what I've seen, and uh, 
yeah, I just want to create like a little bit of a different vibe here um, and attract people to buy work here instead of having them go out of the country and buy stuff there, right? Because we have super talented artists. Yeah. They're not, unfortunately, they're not really making any kind of moves or marks here. You know what I mean? That's attracting people to buy here. And we have the eyes of the world on us. So there's no reason why that's not possible. We just need to create something that people want. Well, I think um, I think you're gonna blow up. To be honest, I, I, at the end of the day, I, I, if, if it's not even about like su being successful and blowing up and selling my work, I just want to really teach other artists that there's a different way to do it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And there's a better way to do it. And that's one of the reasons, like like I was saying in the in the Nipsey thing, like um, that's why I listen to a lot of his business sense because it was uh, it's all about creating your own platform. And it really, like, it really atoned to me the, the things that he was about. I've lived on my own since I was 16 years old, so um, I've had to learn all my things and without help from anybody else. I've, I've never taken a loan or, you know, borrowed money from anybody for uh, for my business. So it's um, uh, it's just there, it's a hard way to do it, but if you do it, you want to reap the benefits at the end. You, know, yeah. you don't want anybody taking, reaching in your pockets for the blood, sweat, and tears that you've put together. So. I, especially with all the talent and hard work you put into something like that, you don't yeah. want someone reaching into your pocket. Exactly. And it's like, I mean, there's definitely a lot of artists that have a style and they perfect it and uh, they, it's unique. And what happens when you discover something, it's almost like an invention, right? You discover something and, and then you have everybody else taking from it. And it's mm -hmm. like, you didn't make that, you didn't figure it out. Um, you know, some, some artists take years to find their treatment. Right, the, the process, the thing that they do, and then when it gets watered down and like everybody's taking a cut of it mm -hmm. because they're able to sell it, you know, it doesn't leave much for you. But at the end of the day, it has to come with business sense. It has to come with some sort of understanding of what you're getting into. And it's it's not to take anything away from artists who do it for a passion. I do it for the passion of it. I love making things. Yeah, you know what I mean. But at the same time, I I understand the value that I offer to people when I do things sure. for them. Right. So I've been a commission artist mainly for 10 years. Um, so I'm kind of, once I get my shop all set up, I'm going to transition from doing commissions for people and then hopefully just work on my own pieces because it's funny in 10, 11 years of me making artwork, I've never made um, like my own solo kind of collection. Really? Right? Well, I mean, it's it's nothing that I would be able to put out. It's just my work around the city. And it's it's yeah. almost been like a learning experience. You know what I mean? Okay. And uh, I definitely have a direction of things that I want to make. Yeah. And like what I want to put out there to be the voice of what I want to say. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I haven't had like a collection where I've made prints or I've made residuals or I've done like clothing or I've done you know, toys or any of that stuff. So um, that's all stuff that I want to get into. So more people can have my work uh, or more people that want it instead of just doing a one-to-one -one thing. Yeah. Like, it's like one piece for one, one price or, uh, you know, this is one statement or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's progressive, but it's getting there. It just so let's just backtrack for a minute. So before becoming an artist, like a full-fledged artist, you were a chef. Uh, no. Wow. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So, uh, I worked in, every industry up until I was about 24 okay. like just job to job I put myself up for school twice I went to business uh, school for business and uh, then eventually school for um, industrial design okay. um, but in those 
years from leaving high school at like 17 to 23. Yeah. I was working at every job you can imagine. So I grew up in Brampton's factory town. I worked at a lot of like, um, I did a lot of order picking. And, um, I worked at retail. I, I worked for Harry Rosen. I worked for Guess. I worked, um, I worked for Bell. Like I just, I worked for Gomans, like selling appliances. I've literally done everything. I worked in every kind of industry there is. And, um, um, but I would always rack my brain and like, what do you like to do? What are you good at? And I've been doing art since I was a little kid, but it was so second nature to me. I never looked at it as any kind of career. Of course. Right. Okay. And um, I mean, it fun fundamentally came down to the point where I was just like, what would you do if money wasn't an object? Yeah. It didn't matter if, if, if you had enough or if it wasn't a thing, like it just you didn't need it. And it would be create things. Like that's just, I love to make stuff. I love to kind of make the physical embodiment of my mind, I guess. Um, but when I really realized that was after like I did a few projects for people and it just, it blew me away how like how it was long, how long I was able to stay up working on these things. And just yeah. like, it just made sense to me. And uh, that's when I kind of started focusing on it and I put myself into school for it. And uh, I knew I wasn't going to graduate. I only had enough money to like cherry pick the courses. Okay. So I didn't take any electives. I didn't take, uh, I did out of a three year program. I did like two and a half years. Amazing. And then um, it was literally just to learn. So yeah. um, I pulled all the knowledge that I could, not necessarily to make art and to like do art, but to present it to companies. And, mm. and so I didn't look Mickey Mouse, you know what I mean? So like I, I knew how to do ideations and, and uh, you know, like build portfolios and, uh, you know, show my work visually and th that kind of stuff. And um, that knowledge was huge because then I could start applying it to to you know working with companies and individuals and people and stuff like that so um kind of started there and then the first two years uh, i was doing it i tried to do it you know straight up where it's just working on my art yeah and then it was like i had no contact list i had no um network i had no business card website nothing right and i was just like trying to make like logos and business cards for people and, and like graphics and that yeah. kind of stuff like i started learning like uh, Adobe and, and like Maya and like a bunch yeah. of 3D programs and stuff. Okay. And um, yeah, so I, I basically, um, I started just trying to like hawk my art basically. You know what I mean? mm -hmm. Anybody I knew needed artwork, do it for this. And but what, what I realized out of that was like, you become a slave to the money. Yeah. Right? So it's like, imagine you tell somebody they come to you for, oh, I need a business card, a logo. And you're like, okay, that's, that's like 600 bucks or 700 bucks or whatever it is. And they're like, oh, I have two. And you're like, well, my rent's due tomorrow, so yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. And then they tell their friends, and then you keep doing it, doing yeah. that, and you keep devaluing yourself. Yeah. So I did that for about two years until I realized it was ass backwards. Yeah. And um, then I decided to, um, then I decided to basically, I was like, okay, I need to stay in a job that pays my expenses, yeah. right? At least covers my expenses, and then my artwork will kind of be like the cherry on top of all that. Yeah. Right. And then then what I can do is like people can't really argue with a price when you tell them, okay, that's fine. You don't want it. It's no problem. Like my shit's paid for. It. So that was when the value started increasing and the value for time started increasing. Right. So, um, I ended up instead of working at a job where I was doing art, like in mm -hmm. graphics or anything like that, because I felt it would have really put me in a box. Mm -hmm. Um, I decided to just 
pick up a life skill, something that I wanted to learn. And I, I ended up cooking. It's something I did when I was really young. Mm-hmm. You know, the first place I worked at was like East Ed Mario's. Nice. And um, uh, so I was like, I, I understand the kitchen culture. And not only that, but like for artwork and for school, it was like a good workaround. Okay. They worked with your schedule really well. You can change up your stuff. Uh, I realized that like trying to do it, um, or sorry, like using using the kitchen as like a, like a kind of um, a medium in order to like you know work with my schedule and it's 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 uh, a little bit easier. Plus, I could learn a life skill that I always really wanted to understand. Mm-hmm. So um, I ended up working at like the first one. I worked at Moxie's for like eight months, okay. right up by Humber. And I was there for a little bit, but it's very like, you know, it's a corporate restaurant. So it's very kind of robotic. Yeah. It's like, this is your station and this is your, your, you know, these are the the menu items you make and it's very simplistic, right? It's not like they're teaching you how to cook. Yeah. So I, um, uh, I ended up working there for a while and then I went from there to Earl's and like, you know, like just like corporate kind of restaurants. I've been there for four years. Yeah. And then um, a friend of mine opened a restaurant and it was like the first time I got to work for a private restaurant. Okay. So they had a really good chef and I uh, realized I was a hard worker and basically it was like, look, like when you're an artist, people know you don't intend to be a chef yeah. right, for the rest of your life. Like they don't want to teach you anything, mm-hmm. right? Like they're like, why am I going to waste time on you? But at the end of the day, like it's something I'd love to learn just like all with all my art. It's yeah. always going to be like, I'm going to like 150% into it. And um, he noticed that and he really liked that, you know, I have a thick skin, like I can take criticism well, and Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to learn and trying to be better. And um, so he was like, look, I'll teach you this skill from the basics. And if you do art anywhere in the world, right, it's something you can always fall back on because cooking is the same here as it is in Japan and China and France. Brazil, it's all the same, right? So um, with that, he kind of, showed me how to do it and then from that i went to like different restaurants like Versailles and casamoto and like a bunch of higher level like uh restaurants and uh, it was always to support me doing my art so for 10 straight years or eight straight years i was basically doing two full-time jobs um where i would you know work eight to ten twelve hours in a kitchen and then i'd go home and i'd work on designs and steadily building my portfolio and little pieces and little aspects here and there i would do like airbrushing and I would do sculptures and painting and shoes and like just everything right mm-hmm. until um i got busy enough where i started doing some bigger like um, interior murals and, and they started really taking up time so like it would take like two or three months to do something oh, wow. and i could just leave a restaurant and if i didn't have any work past that i could just go back right yeah. or go to a different restaurant or whatever mm-hmm. so um it came to the point where about three years ago, I got so busy that I could leave cooking, right? Yeah. yeah, so it worked out that way. And then when I left, I worked with my buddy uh, who was a fabricator to like learn how to finish weld and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Add that also to my, to my artwork and stuff like that. So yeah, it's been good. It's just, it's all been like for the love of it, right? Yeah. It's like if I had worked a bunch of times, I got, I got asked to work for like, you know, digital companies or, um, you know, like, marketing companies to do graphics and things like that and I really feel like it would have put me in a box so um, I'm glad that I didn't do that because I mean if you do that all day long and you end up just running through designs you can get disillusioned with the thing you love to do so um, I really really wanted to protect the, the kind of love and um, interest that I had in my, my art yeah right so I always kind of stayed focused and just didn't define it 
um, I realized I didn't, I was very difficult to design, to develop a process, right? Like that treatment I was telling you about. Yeah. So I stopped looking for it and just realized I love to do everything and anything. So yeah. as it comes to me, I, I, I do it. If it's one thing or another, yeah. I always try to mess with everything. So it's, it's kind of like being the, the all styles kind of person, right? Which is harder for people to identify your work, yeah. but at the same time, it then becomes like um, you're the go-to guy. Yeah. Like people don't know where to go and get something or don't know how to get something done. They come to you and they're like, can you do this? And you're like, yeah. I can so you're a little bit of a chameleon that way. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of the best part about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's basically what people know me for. So when it comes to doing like, and that, that's, hence the name. So some artists, like you said, Which is what I wanted to ask you is where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a triple entendre, right? Yeah. It's like, I like, I like my art to speak for itself. Yeah. Right. And, and kind of not necessarily be the face of it. If you look at my Instagram, it's 90% my work. Mm -hmm. Very rarely, like, you know, go on it, whatever. Yeah. But, um, uh, because of that, like, I like when people go, Oh, who made this? Right. It's yeah. some artist, right. It's somebody. Right. And then it's like, because I don't have a style, it works because it's like the sum of all artists. Right. Like I do everything. Oh, amazing. Okay. And then it's like, and then it's like you say it, it's like smartest. Yeah. Right. So love it works it. at many different levels, but it was just a funny play on words, I guess. No, I love it. I knew like, I figured the some artists, like, Oh, just some artists kind of thing. Yeah. That's what I picked up on, but I like the sum part. Yeah, like the sum total. Yeah. I know, like, I contacted you about a year. It was exactly a year ago. Um, oh, wow. Well, that was interesting. So, like, um, I didn't even know about it. It was last week, so I didn't really even know about it. Um, like, how they were doing it. I found out a day before from one of my other buddies who's an artist. And it was super quick they put it together. So the organizers, they, they like called everybody they knew in like two days. Yeah. And it was like, look, so uh, they're building a, a building like in Graffiti Alley, like a condo. And because of it, there's all this construction hoarding that goes around it. Yeah. So we had all this kind of like new wall space to, to work on. And um, they basically came up with the idea of doing this peaceful protest, right? And uh, I found out about it. And I kind of dropped everything I was doing. It was just like, oh, I want to go paint with these artists. Like some of them are like, you know, OG graffiti artists and guys I really like to paint with. But I thought it was like a really cool idea. And um, it's amazing. That's our voice. You know what I mean? Our paintings are our voice, and they're they're the way that we get to, uh, you know, describe describe how we feel and and all that stuff. And uh, I didn't know. I actually didn't even know I was going to get a spot on the wall. Okay. Um, anyway, I'm. I'm Cause it was set up and everybody had kind of had a spot and just so happened to be like where the piece where I did it, my buddy was like, um, he was like, you can be right here, which is perfectly in the dead center in that wall. Uh, so it worked out. And then, um, I really wanted to do the George Floyd piece, uh, as like, it, it, it's been a symbol of like the movement that we've been dealing with. Right. And I've gotten everything from, Oh, why didn't you paint anybody else? Or why didn't you do this? And why didn't you, well, he's a bad person and all this shit. And at the end of it, like you get the whole gamut of it, right? Mm -hmm. People were digging into his past and, and like all this stuff. And at the end of the day, it's not why I put it there. I put it there because um, we watched somebody get executed, right? Yeah. By a police officer 
that didn't give a shit about his past. He didn't give a shit about, you know, what he had done. He didn't give a he didn't give a shit about any about him as a human being and basically treated him like an animal, right? And didn't give a shit whether he killed him or not. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just complete disregard for his life. Yeah. And it was to me the straw that broke the camel's back. You know what I mean? And not only that, but given quarantine and COVID and all this stuff, you got people that a lot of the times want to do something, but just feel like they don't have the time to do something. And everybody had the time now. You know what I mean? Everybody had the time to do something, march and protest and go on social media and do all those kind of things. So it was the perfect storm of, um, of people coming together to, uh, to show their solidarity in something that we believe is just basic. Yeah. You know, it's basic as shit. It doesn't even make sense to me that people think about it any other way, but they do. So, um, my goal originally was to paint him before I even found out about the thing. I was like, it's, it's a, it's, he's become a deep symbol for that. And it's unfortunate because it's, it's not something that, you know, anybody wants, especially his family. I'm assuming, you know what I mean? Like that was their brother. That was their father. That was their son. That was their everything. Right. And it's like, you don't want to turn somebody like that into a hero a symbol for any cause. It doesn't matter. That's a human person. Right. But if that's what it takes, then at least it wasn't in vain. Yeah. Cause we've had so many people pass like that where it's, Nothing gets done. It's just forgotten. You know, the Trayvon Martins and, the, and these people who've lost their lives in unbelievably horrible fashion. And what real change comes of it, right? So I think that's why that fever pitch kind of happened of all this stuff. And people were just like, we're not taking this anymore. It's not going to continue. All the, what is it, what's it going to take? More people dying and more people losing their lives without anybody standing up for the shit. So, um, I painted it there because it was that to me and it, it spoke true of what we were doing and why we were there mm-hmm. and how this is all happening and why. So it just worked out. And, uh, um, what was really nice was one of the guys, some guy from Getty images, this guy Cole came by and basically was shooting me on the second day that I was finishing it up. So I'm glad that people were going up and down, seeing all the beautiful artwork. It's like they, they did Malcolm X and uh regis and and like you know brianna taylor and like all these uh, people and uh that are that people need to learn about yeah it's not about seeing that picture on a wall and remembering a time it's about learning about why we, we did that absolutely you know what I mean? and that's and just like i put the nipsey there it wasn't I, and i made a smart mural it wasn't because i wanted people to oh see a picture of nipsey Right? It's, oh, who's that? Oh, that's a cool picture. It's not what it was about. It was, I want you to learn about him. Right? Because that's the reason I know him. Right? Was I learned about him. And I, uh, I, I took things from who he was as a human being. Right? And it's, it's, it's not enough to be cool art. Right? It has to be meaningful. So that's, that's the creative ability I have as an artist to educate and to teach people about why. Right? So eventually... If people ever see me make something, right, they'll go, oh, this is just a cool piece of art. They're like, oh, this guy makes things he wants people to learn about. What's this one? What's this one? What's this one? Right? And that's kind of how I want people to see it. You know what I mean? And use them for tools. Because at the end of the day, we are grown. 
right? We're, we're grownups. We're, we're living in a world where people understand what's going on. The kids don't, right? Mm -hmm. Kids don't have any idea about any of this shit. It's only what we teach them and what they're able to learn. Yeah. So if they can grow up and kids are taking pictures by my mural and they see that and eventually they understand what those things meant, then it was worth it. Because mm -hmm. you, you're trying to change things, not keep them the same and just get people to realize we know what world we're living in. We, we have we're sediment on those things. But you got to change things progressively for the future, right? So it sucks to hear sometimes that they want to change Dundas. Like, they want to change all these things that they believe are horrible parts of history. But it's yeah. like you need to educate people, not just erase it. You know what I mean? All these statues that are coming down all over the world. It's not that they shouldn't be there and defaced and thrown away. It's that you don't get rid of them, yeah. right? You need to, you need to um, like put them in museums and educate people about why these things were there, why we took them down, why they were replaced. Because if you erase history, you're doomed to repeat it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that, that's, to be completely honest, that's what Hitler wanted to do, right? He wanted to destroy all the beautiful artworks and religious statues that had anything to do with a negative towards his directive, right? right? So he wanted to destroy the culture of many different people, especially Jewish people, yeah. right? He wanted to destroy their culture, make them look like they never existed, right? And when you start destroying history, right? You don't teach people about those things. They're, gonna, they're, they're just going to repeat it later on. There's nothing to learn from. Right? There's a there's a great movie on it. It's called The Monuments Men. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No. no? So literally it was an American uh, it was an American based like squad in the army in World War II where they were their directive was basically to go stop the the decimation of art. Right? Because the Nazi party was like collecting artwork, right? And and like destroying it. Right? Like Renoirs. Picasso's and like everything historical Michelangelo all these beautiful pieces of artwork they wanted to destroy them all and uh, these guys were tasked in to stop like figure out where they were holding this stuff or what they were going to attack next and they stopped them from completing that mission and uh, it's, it's a phenomenal like movie but at the same time it's it's indicative of what happens when people take over they erase history and therefore there's they can do what they want now in the future with no repercussions, right? So um, it's important for artists to stand up for what they want to say and use their, their voice because there's not many art forms that, that can be unrestricted. You have an artistic license to say what you want to say. Comedy is one, right? Where those people need to talk about the craziest subject matter and, and, and give it some humor, mm -hmm. right? And that's the best thing about comedians. They may be the last people who can speak their mind. Right, because they do it while trying to invoke an emotion of humor. Right. They're not just trying to shove it down your throat and preach to you. They're they're trying to tell you how they feel, and hopefully it, it relates. Mm -hmm. Well, artists do the same thing. I have artistic license, make whatever I want at any time, whether it's provocative or not. Right, because that's that's my ability as an artist. Yeah. Right, it doesn't have to be censored. Mm -hmm. Right, it doesn't have to be you know this way or another. But at the same time, you have to respect everybody, right? And like, I don't try to make art that's like poking a stick at people or, um, you know, getting them to wave flags and getting them to do this and that. 
it's just my voice. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just what I want to say, and it's and it's done in, out of respect for everybody, right? I, but at the same time, I have respect for myself. Yeah. Um, near George Floyd Keith, how it says, I can't breathe, but it says, we can hear you. Yeah. Uh, just speaks volumes. And that's, and it, it literally came to me as I was painting it. And it was like, everybody put, you know, we can't breathe. And I was like, but yo, we all hear you. That's why we're here. We heard you. You know what I mean? We absolutely heard you. And, and it's messed up because it's not that other people haven't been heard, but we all heard him. Yeah. And we all heard each other. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was an important thing I needed to display in that because it's not just an image and like a representation. It's, we heard that, you know what I mean? It's indicative of the time that we're in and what happened because of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was, it was, it was important to do it like that. And that's all I can hope for. How long did that particular piece take you? Um, it, took me about, it took me about a day to do the, the portrait. Mm -hmm. And then it took me another day to do the, the lettering. Yeah, and it's amazing how many people actually message me. And they're like, I have to see it in person. And I want to go see the alley in person. And like, that's what I love too. It's like, they don't, they're not, they're not happy with just seeing it on their phone. They want to be there. They want to look at it. They want to be involved. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And that's, it's everything. Cause like uh, all the artists, the man hours that we put in there together, cumulatively, like we created something that's very beautiful. And, uh, uh, it was, it was a really, really good day. And it felt, it felt like Toronto. I mean, you know what I mean? It yeah. felt indicative of us. And, uh, like one of my buddies was saying the art of faith, he was basically telling me that, that, um, um, uh, it's been probably over a decade since that many artists like descended on the alley to all paint together. Wow. And not only that, but like that would have probably been just to do their names and stuff. Yeah. And this is probably the first time it's ever happened for a cause. So, which is you know, we, we, another piece of history that we were all a part of, you know, yeah. which is really cool. And it's, and this is whether people believe it or not, is the biggest social or the biggest civil rights movement in history. Yeah. Right, and we were all a part of it. And we were all like everybody, you know, tried to do something that was going on. And we'll remember this forever, Absolutely. right? Just like we talk about all the civil rights things that happened, you know, in our parents' days and before us. This will be talked about forever, right? And it's important that people keep talking about it. And, yeah. Uh, and and that was the mark that we wanted to make. What were we doing when that happened? You know what I mean? Were we sitting at home, just not paying attention, or yeah. were we trying to further the conversation? Yeah, it was a it was a beautiful thing to be a part of, that's for sure. People always ask me like what's my favorite kind of art? Yeah. And I I don't have one. I literally it's like something I haven't done yet. Okay. Right? I, I'm very ADD with my art, so I get very complacent. Yeah. Right? I don't like to do things multiply over and over and over again. And I know most artists it's all they do. Like they, yeah. they make the same thing and they diversify their medium here and there. They do like, you know, They'll do a lot of paintings or drawings, or they'll do clothing, or they'll do sculptures, or they'll do whatever. It all kind of has the same feel of their stuff. Yeah. But I think for me, that would be, still become too stagnant. Yeah. Like I have to, I have to, like I'm interested in everything. So, you know, sometimes I want to do, you know, a building or a skyline, or sometimes I want to do people, or sometimes I want to do cars, or sometimes I want to do, um, you know, all kinds of different stuff. I just love messing with everything. So I like that, the versatility of it all mm -hmm. and just practicing, you know, new styles of artwork. And I mean, I think that's part of being a creative too, right? It's like you don't want to get like hot trouble. You just want to 
just keep learning. Like I, at the end of the day, I don't do this for anybody but myself. Yeah. I'm always only competing with myself. I'm trying to make yeah. the next piece I do better and better and better and better. And that's it. Right. That's awesome. And anything you do, you try to do well in life. The, the last thing you can do is compete with anybody else. It's, yeah. You have to compete with yourself. That's it. 100%. You got to look at it that way. What has been your favorite piece that you've been uh, like, recently? I love my um, recently? I mean, my Nipsey piece is my favorite piece of it. Yeah. Easily. And it's because it was the first piece in seven years I'd done for myself. Yeah. And I'd done, you know, I did for no money. I did for, like, I just did it on my own accord. And it was the first time I was I ever actually painted it reality, yeah. which is something I wanted to do forever. Um, so it was like, it was, it was a lot of things. And then I made it a smart mural, kind of actually added that extra layer on it, um, you know, in memory of Nipsey, because that's what he was about. He was about yeah. you know, changing the paradigm, you know, creating another layer. Like how do we do something different than everybody else? So, I mean, it was, it was total tribute to him all day long. And uh, that was definitely my favorite. The mural came after he passed away or? Yeah, yeah, so I did the mural, so he passed away. And it rained for an entire month here, every day. I remember. So I, didn't, I wasn't able to paint. And uh, about two weeks after he passed, I saw the murals going up, and I was like, I have to do this one in Graffiti Alley. Mm -hmm. So um, the only thing that I was thinking about was that I needed to do it on a place where I could see the CN Tower. Mm -hmm. Because all of the other ones around the world, like you wouldn't know where they were unless they were geotagged, right? Yeah. And I wanted people to know that this one was in Toronto. Yeah. And um, because it's like I knew if I needed it here as much as like anybody else, like, I wanted people to know that we had one here too. Um, and uh, so yeah, I looked just looked for this kind of like eye lines and sky to, to the CN Tower, and I found one. Now that building that just went up with the hoarding has actually blocked the view of it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like I said, I got it, and I got all the video of where it is before it all that all went up. So Perfect. I was happy with that. Yeah. I still have it. Like I love it. It's, yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite pieces by you. Yeah, I love I love that mural. I really do. It, it like I went back every Saturday for two months or a month mm -hmm. and a half to finish it. It was like four solid days of work. But I was between so many commissions that like I had to keep running back and forth. So there's a lot of pictures of it unfinished. Yeah. Um but yeah, that was like it was just something I had to get done. So I would like, you know, a few hours here, a few hours there. And uh, I didn't have a plan for it. I didn't pre-draw it. I just like, I think I changed it three times while I did it. Really? Yeah, for composition and color and uh, um, for how the building was. And it was originally on Crenshaw with the palm trees. And I have a time-lapse video that shows all of, like, all of the stages of you it. You might need to insert that here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like on my, on my Instagram, there's a, there's yeah. a like when it started to the finish all the way through. I think it's influenced. Oh, influences. Um, everybody, every, every artist that I see, um, I, I have a lot on Instagram. Like, like I, I follow so many different kinds of art, um, traditional art, fine art, graffiti, um, um, interpretive art, interpretive art, like everything. I, I love Ai Weiwei. He's one of my favorite artists. So he's out of, he's, he's like one of the best artists out of China. And uh, he's a revolutionary. He's, he's the kind of guy who like just says what he feels and he does it with his work. And um, it's, it's, an, it's, it's this idea. So there's this idea of in, in restaurant culture, and it's called carte blanche. 
right? And the idea is blank card. So it's an, if you look up the definition of, of carte blanche, the idea is it's called an unrestricted, it's an unrestricted power to act, yeah. right? So if you were to hire a GM, right, to your, to your restaurant, and the only stipulation for him doing that would be, you know, it's carte blanche. That means I have unrestricted access to do whatever I want to do without oversight, right? Mm -hmm. So any artist who has that attribute, I'm really interested in because if you look at, let's say, Banksy, okay? Yeah. Banksy is one of these people who has anonymity and nobody has anonymity. Therefore, you can say whatever you want without any fear of repercussion. Nobody knows who you are. They can't prosecute you. You can't do anything. So you can literally say what you want, whatever you want. Yeah. Um, and that's the idea of carte blanche. So when it comes to artists that I follow, I look to people who um, do what they want, say what they want, say what they mean, and do it in a positive way with their, with their platform. Banksy has the world watching mm -hmm. the world and what is he saying he's he's putting art on sweatshops yeah. so that so many people go there that the cop that they now have to shut down mm -hmm. do you know what i mean because now he's he's baited out their scene and like they can't they can't work anymore because the cops are now there it's bringing attention to things that need attention when you have anonymity and you have the voice to say whatever you want you'd be an asshole all day long yeah. do all kinds of shit it's horrible but when people treat tend to use that platform for good, it's phenomenal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, those are the kind of people I look towards. But also graffiti artists. I look at a lot of people who are changing the idea of what graffiti is. And, and uh, that's the best part about graffiti artists, not just street artists or muralists or people who like do what I do kind of now, but like OG like graffiti writers. These are people who risk jail and, and um, a lot of the time they're mentally unstable. They have things to say and nobody would listen to them. So they would write what they want on the wall. You know what I mean? And make, make their gallery outside. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. So I, I take attributes from a lot of these people and I see what they're doing and I appreciate all of it. And um, I'm just, I, I'm just, I, I'm a sponge. You know? I like to learn that stuff. So everybody, whatever they're doing and it's interesting. Uh, I thought, I thought one of the ones that was funny the other, the, like not too long ago was that Basil, the, the guy put the banana with the, with the um, uh, duct tape that everybody freaked out on. Did you see that? Yeah. He sold, yeah. He sold three of them. So two of yeah. them sold for 120000 Yeah. And one of them sold for 150000 <laughs> right? And people always ask me, they're like, what do you think about that? Like, that's, that's what art is? And I'm like, so if you looked into what that actually meant, yeah. right, it's, it's actually really genius. And it's, the guy was absolutely right. So it was called The Comedian, mm -hmm. right? And the idea was, this, this guy didn't just walk into Basel, tape a banana on, on, on the wall, and like, yeah, it's worth 120 grand. Yeah. He methodically thought about this. Apparently, when he's searching for inspiration, for whatever reason, his creative process is to put bananas taped to the wall of his uh, hotel room. Yeah. This thing, that's his medium. And the original idea for the comedian was actually to be cast in bronze. So he was gonna make a sculpture okay. of the banana with the duct tape. And then he made it in bronze, he made it in resin, he did a few different things. And then he settled on the fact that in order for the idea to stick, it must be a real banana and it must be a real duct tape. Because the idea is that art is whatever you want it to be. Absolutely. And that's the funny part. Yeah. That's why they called it the comedian, mm -hmm. right? The idea is that 
art is an idea more than it is tangible. So when you buy his banana with the thing, obviously it dies. Yeah. The letter of authenticity that he gave with that tells specifically how to replace the banana and replace the duct tape. Oh, I didn't know that. So that installation is forever. That's the value of having a letter of authenticity. Yeah. So that val- that is valuable past the artwork. Absolutely. The art- art- you know what I mean? That, that banana will rot. The tape is yeah. garbage. You know what I mean? And uh, that's how he got around that. So not only that, but you have to remember that people didn't pay for that banana and that no. piece of tape. They paid for what happened there. Their names would be written in the history books of the people who paid for that. Yeah. Right? So that's what they got mm-hmm. paying for that banana. They got to be a part of history and to be a part of that. that and they supported that artist's crazy. Mm-hmm. right that's what that's what art is all about people who buy art i support this crazy yeah right and this whatever this person is saying so that's where the, the value of art comes from yeah right so those are the things that i look at and i dive deeper into the meaning of right because that allows me to, to focus on how do i want to preach myself and how do i want to present it and what other ways can i do that are outside the box in order to present what i have right Mm-hmm. because eventually when it comes to a day where I have my show, um, you know, I want to, I want to fuck people up. I want to trip them out. I want to, I, there's two cons, constants in my artwork. And one of them is changing people's perspective, right? Whether it's visually like this, mm-hmm. right? Where the perspective, Oh, it's on top of a building. Right. And it's a pool and it's the morning after. So obviously you want to be on a, you know, the morning after the night before you want to be at a pool. Right? So, like, it's a play on words, but it's a changing of perspective. And then psychologically, right? It's like, just with the George Floyd piece, right? It's like, I want you to understand that that was indicative of the time. So, it's changing your perspective on just a piece of art, but it's like, we can hear you. So, there's messaging in it as well, right? So, perspective always plays a massive, a massive part of my work. Yeah. And I like things to be very literal. Right. I don't need, I don't like people to assume what I meant. I want them to know exactly what I meant. Right. There's not a lot of mystery in my artwork. Yeah. I made it a smart mural because I want you to learn about that. That's what that whole mural says. Right. It's, 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 everything has to do with learning about him. So I I don't want people to have to guess about what my thing, what what the stuff is that I make means. I want them Mm -hmm. to understand it right off the bat. Um, And that's why when I finally have my show, I want the entire show to mess with people's perspectives. I want, I want it to be super different. And like, I want it to catch people's attention. I want people to go like, if you missed that shit, you missed it. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to be some warehouse paintings with wine and cheese and people walking around. Like, no, I want your focus to be on what I've made for you. It's going to be theatrical. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, what's important. It's like, I want people to pay attention to something different. Do you know what I mean? And have, and not just have the mundane life that everybody has and yeah. switch it up. You know what I mean? I want to be able to give that to people. And uh, that's, that's what I like to do. So I don't even know how to follow that up. <laughs> it's going to be epic. I've never seen anything like that, like it in the city. Um, and I've been thinking about it for years. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be unreal. Even for me to, to, to be there. Gonna be good. Because it gets you kind of go into your mind, which I think. Oh yeah, and it's gonna trip them out. 
Yeah. When are you having the show? <laughs> as soon as I'm done my studio, I want to have it done for November. Okay. Um, that's when I'll start working on my pieces. Because okay. I'm building the studio by myself. So yeah. um, I have a feeling I'm trying to project it to be done, set up in November. And then I'll at least have a little bit of capital that I built. I, all my stuff is organic, right? Like I yeah. build my business organically. Mm -hmm. So it's like I've always used the profits from my artwork to fund it. I've never like I've never gotten a loan or anything like that. So um, it's always just progressive because that allows me too to gauge on how well I'm doing, right? You just get a loan for a certain amount of money. You got to make that up, and who knows if people even want to buy what you make? Yeah. Right. So. I've proven to myself over 10 years that my product is worth something, my time is worth something, and it's paid for the development of itself, right? Yeah, as soon as it's finished built, being built, uh, I'm gonna try and save up a little bit of money to um, basically buy my time for four or five months so that I can just sit in my studio and work on all my, on all my pieces. Um, and that's the goal, so. Next year sometime? Summer. I want it. I want it for okay. the summer. Right. Yeah, spring summer. Yeah. Okay. I really appreciate that. Part of this I've been admiring for like the last year. So I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to get better at all the stuff that I do and like you know expand my horizons, work with more artists, which is great, and like get more of my stuff around the city and just uh, yeah, it's just it takes it takes time, but you know you get there. No, so I'll just be patient. I think you're doing a fantastic job. I think brings a lot of attention, and yeah, just keep doing you. Like, thank you. I really appreciate it. It's it's a very gratifying job. You know what I mean? It's definitely difficult, and struggles is real, but it's the most gratifying thing you can ever do. You know, keep going. Definitely. Or all forward only. That's it. Yeah, absolutely.